0: Well, it is good to see everyone here today. I think I know most of the people in this place. Is Sister Barbara in the house today? Sister Barbara? <laughs> I heard that you... <laughs> I heard Sister Barbara had a birthday. <laughs> I heard Sister Barbara was an hour and a half late for her birthday. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, just an hour, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Sister Barbara, I want to welcome. I want to say happy birthday to you. My goodness, Sister Barbara, still look good. She's 105 years old today. 105. Stand up, Sister Barbara. Sister, welcome. Say hello to Sister Barbara. 105. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give her your age, Sister Barbara. <laughs> In your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Matthew. I'm going to be doing quite a bit of reading of selected passages today. Matthew chapter 27, I'll be reading verses 15. Got my phone. I'll be reading. If you're writing the scriptures down, I'm going to be reading from Matthew twenty-seven, verses fifteen through twenty-one, and then I'll I'll give you the verses as I read them. So rather than giving them all to you now as I Read them, I will. Say them, and so you can write them down there. I am going to ask you to stand, if you would, so we can pray, and then I'll have you to be seated. Today, Lord, we are indeed grateful to be in this place and to thank you for another Resurrection Sunday. Today we celebrate Easter because of what you've done, not because of what we've done. We did enough to just mess things up, but you did all to clear it up. And today we are indeed grateful to you. We thank you for your love and your grace and your glory and your kindness. And thank you for your righteousness in Jesus' name. Bless the speaker. Bless the word. Bless the hearers. Give us a mind to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sister Maria, probably right before we end, Maria Modar, I'm going to ask you probably to close us on. Come on, everybody. What's that? Everybody? Clap. Sisters and brothers, okay, Well, yeah, we'll have you to, to, to do that. Matthew chapter 27, beginning at verse 15. The ministers and pastors that preached on Good Friday did an excellent job, did a tremendous job on Friday. Matthew 27, beginning at verse 15. I'll be reading from the NIV, so mine will read a little bit different than what's on the board, or possibly your Bible. Now, it was the governor's custom... At the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. That's a cold name. You know he's bad. (laughs) So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus who was called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy... of the two do you want me to release to you asked the governor Barabbas they answered skip down to verse 27 27 through 31 is the next section then the governor of, of then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his his head they put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him "Hail, king of the Jews they said they spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again after they had mocked him they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him then they led him away to crucify him Verses 45 and 46. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. Verse 62 through 66, still in chapter 27, verses, I should say, 62 through 66. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting guards chapter 28 verses 1 through 7 After the sabbath it, at dawn on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the to look in at the tomb There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it His appearance was like lightning there you will see him now I have told you and then conclusion verses 11 through 15 still in chapter 28 while the women were on their way some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that, that had happened when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. I don't want them guarding my house. If this report gets, on, gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And the story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. And the Lord blessed the reading of his word. When it says this very day, at the day of the writing of Matthew, not to, and sometimes people believe it today, but it's the writing that it's referring to. As a title, I've given, Don't Look Now, But He's Not Here. Don't Look Now, But He's Not Here. To have been a Roman soldier at the tomb of Jesus on Easter Sunday morning would have been one of the most terrifying events that one could have experienced. Today we'll discuss the resurrection from the believers who are non-believers. What do I mean? We'll take a look at the scriptures that we read, but from the standpoint of those who said they didn't believe. To say that you did not believe something or someone and then go to great extent to deny and cover up the very thing you are denying actually proves you believe in what you are claiming to deny. We look at five points. Rejection of Jesus and choosing of a criminal. Number two, the right, the wife of Pilate. Three, the mocking of Jesus and his death. Four, the request for guards, the seraphim, and the fleeing of the guards. Seraphim is another name for angel. And five, the cover up. Number one, rejection of Jesus and choosing of a criminal. Rome allowing a prisoner during Passover week to be freed by the people was something that in tradition occurred. And we're not quite sure how that actually began. It was a customary Roman thing to allow a prisoner to be released during Passover week. At this time, the Jewish people are under Roman slavery... And they're in Palestine. It's called Palestine. But they're they're under Roman rule. And it is during this time where the Passover is taking place. Many of the Jewish people that would be in many parts of the world were to gather for at least three major feasts. And this is one of them, the Feast of Passover. So the city would have been full of people. Now Pilate was not liked by the Jewish people. And in fact... From Rome, the Caesar was just about to put him out of business because of his corruption. So Pilate is already on very, very thin ice. The Jewish people hated him. And so what he wants to do is find a way to curry their favor and to keep things down. It was in Rome, where in Jerusalem, where the Jewish people had... Even though they were in bondage, they had a lot of freedom. One of the only things that they could not do, they could not commit capital punishment or capital murder. They couldn't murder without Rome's approval. And yet, here it is, they're wanting to kill Jesus. Now, Pilate is not fooled why they want to kill Jesus. You see, if you cross some people, they're going to remember and try to figure out a way how I'm going to get you. There's some people you cross, and you better keep an eye out every time you walk out your house. I can see some of y'all opening the front door and taking a peek out, looking around the corner, making sure nobody there, going down the stairs, making sure ain't nobody, looking under your car to make sure a bomb ain't there. Turning the ignition and praying all the time. You see, there are some people that are just as devious, and so... You've got to be careful, but here there is this, this government of Rome that is corrupt, and Pilate is the governor at this time. Herod is the king, and Pilate and Herod, had, Herod had, been, had been enemies. But on the day where the crucifixion is going to take place, they became the best of friends. You see, there can be people today to where you don't get along with. But y'all can come together on a common cause. You can hate somebody more than you hate each other. And pretty soon y'all will become good friends. I know. I know. <laughs> Barabbas had been involved in a lot of murders. and in, in, in an insurrection, I should say. He was a criminal. And he had been put in prison. It is quite possible that he was going to be executed. And here we have Jesus... An innocent man being charged with crimes he never did, being charged illegally, having a trial at night which was against their own laws, being tried at the high priest's palace. In fact, Jesus had been tried three or four times that night by Pilate, by Herod, back to Pilate, all of them Illegal. You see, it was because of jealousy that the religious leaders chose Barabbas. And Pilate knew it. Pilate wasn't fooled. He knew why they wanted Jesus killed. Because he was too popular with the people. He was messing with their territory. He was messing them up. They wanted the praise of the people. And so it was out of envy that they wanted Jesus to be killed. You see, you cannot passively reject Jesus and hope no one will notice. You cannot passively, passively accept Jesus and expect that nobody will notice. There are no secret agent saints. Some of y'all grew up watching Get Smart T-H-E, cat. Some of y'all are too young. But today there are a lot of people wanting to be secret agents for the Lord. Don't tell anybody I know the Lord. I'm on a secret mission for him. <laughs> but Jesus came with a specific purpose in mind. He had a specific purpose to accomplish, and that was to die. You see, a lot of times people are saying, oh, What a wonderful Savior. He just loved us so much. Yes, he did. Loved us so much that he was willing to go to the cross. And the very people that were wanting to kill him did not know. And even though they were the ones teaching the scriptures, did not know. It was for their sins that he came as well. And so when it came time to request that a prisoner be released, Pilate wanted to release Jesus. You see, he normally did not say, you know, I've got this prisoner here, why don't you release him? Pilate went in with bias. He wanted Jesus to be released. But you know his problem? He loved the praises of people. He wanted people to pat him on the back and say, Pilate, you're doing a good job. And so when he said, who do you want me to release? You know, they said, they said, we want Barabbas. We want the criminal. You see, the choosing of Barabbas is a choice that the world makes. The choosing of Barabbas is the one that the world says, we don't want the one who was innocent, we want the one who was guilty. We want that person released back into society. But Jesus, nah. We want him killed. And so as Pilate is standing there, trying to get Jesus out of this situation in such a way that it doesn't cause a riot, he says, who do you want? And the religious leader said, they told the people, say that you want Barabbas. Now just a week before, they were saying, Hosanna in the highest. Praise the Lord. Just honoring him just one week before. Now they say and kill him. That's what people will do. They'll rub you and stab you in the back. Rub you on top of the head. I, I, I used to have a lot of hair. Y'all called me stress. That's why all my hair is gone now. <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, there are people today that will tell you you're doing such a wonderful job. Before you get home, you got your phone ringing tell, me, such and such said this about you. <laughs> I tell you, you tell something in Marin City before you leave. Everybody on around Marin City know about it. I got home one day. I told y'all that I got home one day. Something happened. By the time I got home, word had got out. <laughs> How did you hear? You were in that church today) <laughs> Point number two, let me quickly move on. Pilate's wife speaks up. What did Pilate's wife experience that caused her to go to her husband at the time when Pilate had to make a decision? You see, Pilate's got to make a decision, and his wife comes to him. Now, this is interesting because normally those governors didn't have their wives present where they were ruling. Not in Rome. So this is an unusual situation. You see, the New Testament had not been written. And so the way the Lord would communicate to his people was by dreams, by vision, sending them a word. In an incredible way, the Lord sent a message through Pilate's wife. We are not told what the dream was or what the dream meant. She said, I had a dream. About that man. Now look at the timing of this. During the trial. Friday. Friday. Thursday the trial began. But Friday. Jesus is crucified. During the night of the illegal trial. She has a dream. And the dream. Centers on Jesus. Whatever she dreamt. It was so real that she felt she had to get to her husband. Have you ever had a dream and you woke up and you were thinking, "Was I just dreaming or was that real?" Have you ever had a dream when you're falling and, you, and, you, and you, it's like you're falling? And you wake up, you know, your, your arms are flailing. See, y'all, y'all don't, y'all, y'all ain't had no dreams if y'all ain't had that. You, you're, you're, you're running and you can't run fast enough. You're trying to get away. I had dreams before when there are a lot of people around and I'm the only one being chased. said, why don't chase everybody else? <laughs> had those dreams where you are the only one, and you look back and they write on you. Whatever the case was, Pilate's wife had a dream, and for her this dream was so real that she sent a message to her husband. She said I've suffered many things tonight about this man here and told him don't you have anything to do with that innocent man Don't have anything to do with that innocent man We never hear in scripture again after Matthew 27:19 and not including the other gospels one verse Records her going to her husband and it has been inscribed in scripture throughout all eternity Pilate's wife has one line in the word of God and it is one of the most powerful words that could be, that could be spoken yeah. I have suffered many things tonight concerning this man yeah. don't have anything to do with him She said, this innocent man have nothing to do with him. When we consider God's timing, there are situations where you have been placed in. And if you were one second earlier, you would have been the one that would have had that accident. You have been in a situation and and, and only by the, the, just by a small hair did you escape. God has a plan for your life that you uh, would never believe. That he has every minute detail worked out. And here people are running in this world saying, I don't need God. I can make it on my own. And it is only by God's gracious hand that we don't run into some more difficulties see some of us complain about the problems that we're in and then we long to look over the fence at what another person has and we want what they've got but you don't know what they've gone through or what they're going through be careful when you are desiring another person's life don't crave what somebody else has god has a plan For you, in the book of Jeremiah, I say this one around 1, 4, and 5. The Lord says, before you were even conceived in the womb, before God even formed you, before your parents even met, He says, I knew you. I planned you in. I had everything already mapped out. I had the numbers on your head already numbered. And we call that when we think of God's omniscience, the fact that He's all knowing. We think he's, and we think of omnipotent. God is all powerful. We think of God's being his omnipresence. He's everywhere, present at the same time. He could be given a word to Miss Pilate and be saving a baby in New Jersey. Pilate was told, leave that innocent man alone. But you know what Pilate did? We don't even hear a word that he responded to his wife. But you know what we find? Is that he went back in and spoke to Jesus. If you look at another passage later on, and you find that he's, who, now who are you? Hmm. But because he loved the praises of people, Pilate was willing to give the unbelieving crowd, what they wanted. Anytime you are motivated to make your decision solely on the fickleness of people's feelings, you will forever be chasing after the wind. Because as the wind blows, that's how quick people can change their mind. Don't try to please people. Be nice. Be friendly. But don't try to always win the approval of people. They'll have you doing all kinds of things to jump through hoops. And when you don't jump the right way, they say you didn't jump high enough. Now jump backwards. (laughs) Always wanting you to do something to try to satisfy. You don't have to try to satisfy. All you need to do is do what the Lord says to do. Point three. The mocking of Jesus and his death. Not only did Pilate not listen to his wife. He had Jesus beaten, flogged. It is oftentimes called 40 slashes, or 40 lashes rather, minus 1, 39. They would beat you in an inch of your life. They thought 40 would be the killing blow, so they gave you 39. Jesus had, Jesus had, finally rather, had Jesus flogged. And in this flogging, I can't go through all the graphic detail because we have some kids here. But it was nothing pretty. What they would put on the ends of those uh, those ropes and those balls would be nothing pretty for the skin. But he ordered that Jesus be flogged because Jesus was now condemned. Barabbas, the insurrectionist, is released. Jesus Is condemned, and isn't it interesting, that it was the sinner the world chose. And it was the righteous one that took his place. You see, Barabbas could never die for your sins. Barabbas had to be let go. He could not stand before you. Let me just share this with you. When the Lord gave the Passover in the book of Exodus... And told them how it was to be carried out. He told them that on the 10th day of the month you are to select a lamb. And you are to keep it in the house until the 14th day. What was the purpose of them having that lamb in the house? It was to make inspection to be sure that there were no imperfections. It had to be a perfect lamb without spot or blemish. You see, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you see all the symbols and all the things that God did, it was all pointing to Him. And even in the choosing of the Lamb. You see, during the time of Jesus' trial by Pilate and Herod, it was the same as Jesus being inspected, like that lamb that was inspected to make sure there were no impurities. And when Pilate said, I find no fault. It was declaring that Jesus was perfect. There were no blemishes in him. He could stand as the substitute for the sins of the world. You see, if there were any imperfections, he couldn't. Barabbas couldn't do that. Barabbas couldn't be the one that would be chosen to stand in your place. But Jesus was the one. And so, Jesus is flogged. By Pilate. And at the at the beating of Jesus, we find something interesting. We find the leader of the Romans here at this point setting the example of what follows. The mocking, the spitting on Jesus, the punching in the face, and the placing of the thorns on his head. You see, be careful of the crowd you hang out with. You may be somebody that's innocent, but you'll get wrapped up in a mob scene. I I still, to this day, can't can't understand that after the win of the World Series or the Super Bowl, why people feel it is their duty to go break out windows and turn over cars and set the city on fire. I have not found why that's such a celebration. I've I've been trying to figure it out. Throwing rocks through windows. We're celebrating our team won. Throw a rock at that car going by. Now I used to throw rocks at cars now small. I told you last week so I used to set fires too on occasion. <laughs> oh, I told the group of that on Yeah, I told you that last week. I ain't telling y'all no more though. Y'all gonna have my business out in the street. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you see, it's the crowd that will get you going. Pilot starts it, and then we see the guards pick up the calls and strip Jesus and then put on him other clothes and mock him. Oh, hell, king of the Jews. And on and on he goes. I got to quickly move on to get through all these points here. We'll be done in about 14, 15 minutes. We'll be out of here and you can be on your way. But you see, it was Jesus being the perfect sacrifice. And it was Jesus being willing to uh, not, To not leave the scene, not to call the angels down to come to his defense. Now, my brother said on Friday when he was preaching, y'all hit me one more time. Some of y'all have been saying, one more time. You got one more chance. That's what my dad used to say, boy, one more time. One more time. I understood what that meant. Yeah, he worked at the post office. He had them belts from the post office. (laughs) One more time. So I'd be good for a couple more days. Hoping that they forget. One more time. Jesus took every blow because of the love that he has for you. The world did not know that at the beating of Jesus... It was a preparation for him to go to the cross. Point four, the guards and the angels sitting on the stone. Matthew 28, 1 through 7. It makes no difference how many guards are placed on the scene to guard a dead man. Whenever a heavenly messenger of God shows up, it is going to paralyze the opposition. When we consider that the chief priests and his cohorts ask that guards be put in place to guard a dead man, one has to consider, why would you do that? You see, they said, we, be- we remember that that deceiver said, after three days, I'm going to rise. Well, if you didn't believe it, you were just going about your business. There would be no reason to go post guards at the tomb. And they said, oh, his disciples may come and steal his body. The disciples had been running. They were scared to death. They were in hiding. They were no threat to nobody. Disciples running, trying to get out of the way. And here you have trained Roman guards like they're going to take on the guards. I don't think so. How could they take on such a well-trained Roman army? They were in hiding. You see when the religious leaders asked the guards to be stationed at the tomb they didn't understand and they missed who actually was going to be showing up ha- Have you ever been in a situation to where you didn't you, you you thought you had prepared and you didn't prepare quite well enough You, you know you looked at the opposition and says oh 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 I got to go back and lift a few more weights for next for a few more years here I, I didn't know that I was going to be coming up against Mike Tyson. I thought it was just, you know, the fella down the street. I ain't quite ready. You see, when they were stationed at the tomb, they thought they were going to be guarding a dead man to make sure that nobody came to steal the body. And, and the governor says, well, you all go on and make the tomb as secure as you know how. And can you imagine, out Guarding a tomb of a man that they beat, that they tortured, that they pierced his side, that they knew was dead because the Romans knew how to execute a person. With over a two-ton stone rolled over the entrance of a sepulcher, the tomb. Yeah, we gonna guard him, make sure he don't go nowhere. It is believed that there are anywhere between 12 and 60 soldiers. 12 to 60. But the Bible says early on the first day of the week, when the women were going to the tomb, there, a seraphim in your Bible, some says a seraphim, an angel was sitting on (laughs) the rock. When he sat on this rock, However he appeared, the Bible says that the guards saw his appearance like lightning, clothed white as snow, representing purity. The holiness of God covering him. The Bible says that they fell like dead men. They fainted, passed out. With one. There are two angels when you look at another place, but this one that speaks to the woman is the one that they're focusing on. Two angels. But Matthew records one. Can you imagine being face to face with a heavenly being and you got a club and a sword? Come on, dude. Come on, come on, come on. Come, I got you, I got you. <laughs> And the angel said, okay, come on, here we go. (laughs) I would say the guards are unprepared. And yet, the Bible says they failed. Now, when they woke up, something interesting that you don't see oftentimes, you've got to look at this carefully. And that is, every one of them left their post. To be a Roman soldier and to leave your post... To, to let your your prisoner of the one you guarding get away, that was death automatically, and so this encounter was so terrifying that it leads us to point number five, and we conclude with this: the cover up, verses eleven through fifteen. The Bible notes that only some of the guards went to the religious leaders. Some of the guards, I believe. Now, this is my own speculation. Let me use my own imagination. They were so devastated. Some of them said, I can't do this no more. Can't, can't do this work no more. I got to go see my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> got to go see my shrink. Got to go. Y'all, You, y'all, I don't know what y'all are going to do. I'm leaving. The Bible says some of the guards went to the chief priest. Others went someplace else. There's no way not to be a Roman soldier and not be punished. But the Bible says that the religious leaders first went to the chief priest. Why? Because the chief priests were the ones who went to Pilate and asked that the guard be posted. So they would go to them first. The second thing that I believe that they didn't go to Pilate was because they would have known going to Pilate would have meant instant death. So they went to the chief priest first. Telling them, and get this, they told them the truth. The guards went telling them the truth. They told them exactly what happened. And then the cover-up began. The Bible said that they gave them a large sum of money and said, we want you to tell them this. Now get this, when the Bible says we want you to tell them this, it was a teaching moment that the religious leaders were giving the, the Romans. They didn't just say, go tell them this. They taught them what to say. We, they placed the words in their mouth. If anybody says this, this is how you are to respond. If they say this, you tell them this. And the Bible says that they took the money and said that the disciples came and stole his body. Now, let's look at a couple questions as we conclude it. And see if you can help me with this. The disciples had all deserted Jesus when he was in, Geth- in the Garden of Gethsemane. Initially, when the crowd came, Peter reached for a sword and cut off Malchus' ear. We know that Peter was not aiming for ear. Peter was aiming for the head. Jesus took the ear and reattached it right there. That would have freaked me out there and said, hey, I'm out of here. This dude just put his ear back on. And we're talking about taking him? Out late. I'm finding another occupation. I don't care if I'm 75. I'm finding a new line of work. We see in this cover up. The religious leader saying, save the disciples. Now the disciples had already been in hiding since the garden and then when it came to being on the cross at the cross at golgotha's here at golgotha's hill outside of jerusalem right on the hill and only one disciple is there john why would the disciples come and take on a well trained army that they knew they couldn't win and beat to try to steal a body that they didn't believe was coming back to life you see one of the problems that we have as people is that we don't like following the facts. We like following feelings. How do I feel today? I feel like this is truth whether it makes sense or not. The disciples couldn't do it. Then we look at if Jesus was stolen, it raised another question. How then did the chief priest not tell the governor to make a thorough search to find the body. Go look for him. He's been taken. There's never any, ever any, any any indication in scripture that Jesus would ever look for. They didn't go searching for him. If you lost something, I would think you would go looking for it. If you lost a hundred dollar bill, you're not going to say, ah, oh, oh well. You're going to be looking with a flashlight. Where's that body? All on the ground. All in the grass. I don't care what kind of clothes you. I'm looking for my hundred dollars. There was one person that lost. That's a years ago. Person lost some keys, and the, per, and, the, and the person. What are you looking for? I Lost my keys. He says, "What'd you lose? I lost them way over there. Why are you looking over here? Because this is where the light is." If you've lost something, you would go search for it. There's no searching. Why did Jesus go through all that he went through to save us? If our own belief system is good enough for us to be made right with God and for us to be able to go to heaven. If Jesus is, if he, if, if, his, if he had to come here to die, but why then? Did he have to do it if we can make ourselves right with God? If, if we can make ourselves right by saying, God, I've been a, very, a pretty good person. You should accept me for who I am. What was the pers- purpose of Jesus going through the, the resurrection, the death and resurrection? What would be the purpose of him coming, going through all that torture? Why be beat up? If Jesus' resurrection is not true, how do you explain That none of the religious leaders' efforts to deny the resurrection ever involved them telling the guards, you're lying. You never hear them saying to the guards, you lied, you lied. That's not true. They took their words at face value. The unbelieving guards said, we believe what you said. Now, this is what we want you to do. We want you to lie. And we're going to take money from the treasury at the temple and pay you. And the guards who are always also corrupt said, okay, we'll tell this lie for you. But deep in their heart, they knew that Jesus rose from the dead and that they encountered an angel at the tomb. Bow your head. You Many people in this place today may be skating on very thin ice. And there has, there has been no preparation to accept the Lord. People think that I'm okay, but really, are you? If God's word is true, then our belief system has to match up with what God says. Lord, in this place today, we are praying. we pray that the Word of God has not only stirred us to action, but will bring conviction that allows us to change for those that don't know you to be saved the bible says for all of sin we all fall short of the glory of god bible also says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord today lord we recognize that it is the word of god that must be preached in order for lives to be saved And so we are praying today from what's heard and what's been said that people will say, I accept what Christ did on my behalf. He died for me. And all I have to do is accept him. And so today in this place, may that be the commitment that people make here that I'm going to accept the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross and the fact that he rose from the dead on Sunday. We love you in Jesus' name. Maria, would you come? And this will be our benediction.